Welcome to the Upgrade Your Education Business podcast. I'm your host, Samantha. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and I hope that you find this episode useful. If you're new to this podcast, each week I share fluff-free, actionable ideas tailored to education businesses that you can mould to suit your needs. And finally, if you enjoy listening to the podcast, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a review on iTunes or follow and subscribe on whichever platform you choose. Thank you once again for tuning in. Over the last 18 years as a business owner, riding the wave of different trends and growing a business through a pandemic, I've learned a lot and I'm excited to share some of my lessons with you. I know that in three years from now, well, even a year from now, I'll have more lessons learned. But I hope that through today's episode, you'll be able to avoid some of the mistakes I made or at least implement these lessons earlier than me. So grab a pen and paper or get your notes app open on your phone and let's go over five things that I do and that you might want to implement if I started my business from scratch. The first thing I would have done is been more intentional. I'll explain. When I started creating content on social media or said yes to working with clients, I just did it. I didn't think too hard about what I was doing, why I was doing it, and how it would serve me in the long run. But the truth is, I didn't know how to be intentional because I didn't know what I wanted my future business to look like. And if that's how you feel, that's okay. Don't let it stop you from being intentional. Here's what I mean. Let's take social media marketing. You can decide which platforms will serve you well and only sign up to those instead of signing up to everything because they exist and because they're free. You don't need to know what your future business will look like to do that. Setting marketing themes for each week helps your messaging be cohesive. It doesn't matter how someone's connected to you, they're getting a consistent message. Again, you don't need to know your long-term plan to do this. If you want to deep dive into choosing the right platform for you and crafting some content pillars, take a listen to episode one. This is my most popular episode and it's all about attracting paying clients through social media without paid ads. Now, so far, I've given examples related to marketing, but by being intentional with all areas of your business, not just marketing, means that you create a business that's sustainable and is more likely to bring the results that you want as a business owner. When I started my tutoring business, I offered lessons based on my clients' availability. I would ask them, what would work best for you? The only boundary I had was that I didn't teach on weekends. But when I took a step back and looked at how I could tighten my schedule, I offered clients lesson slots instead of asking them what would work best for them. If they could make it work, the slot was theirs. If they couldn't, they joined my waiting list. And actually, by running that tight ship, I find that clients usually are able to shuffle things around and make their availability work with mine because they don't want to risk losing the lesson slot and not knowing how long they need to wait until another comes up. So be intentional. Always have a reason and a clear purpose for everything you do. You should know what result you want from every social media post. You should design how clients interact with you based on the expectation you want to set and in a way that works within your boundaries. For me, new clients have to book a call with me based on my calendar. They can't just grab my phone number and contact me at any time. 
that sets a clear expectation that's intentional. Because even when I start working with people, I don't want them contacting me on my phone at any given time. And even though all my tuition clients have my phone number, they don't contact me unless it's urgent. And on the odd occasion, if they do, I just direct them to my emails. So being intentional means that you get to set boundaries and work in a way that really works for you. The second thing I would have done specifically in my tuition business is I would have moved to a three-day working week much sooner. You might be thinking, but I can't do that. I need the money. But I would disagree. And here's why. When I started, I taught five days a week on a one-to-one basis. And I worked like this for, I think, around two to three years, perhaps. But then when I looked at how haphazard my schedule was, which happened because I let people choose when they had their time with me, I managed to release one whole day just by tightening things up. So things like not having long gaps between sessions, putting a stop to anyone who wanted fortnightly lessons, since the majority of people wanted it weekly, and those fortnightly lessons meant I couldn't take them on. So I didn't lose any clients, and I went from a five-day teaching week to a four-day one. But I've now transitioned to three days, and I earn more than I did when I was teaching five days a week. And let's not talk days. I earn more through the nine hours a week that I currently teach than I did when I was tutoring around 25 hours a week. I'll repeat that. I earn more by tutoring nine hours a week than I did when I tutored 25 hours a week. Now, it's hard for me to teach you how to do that through a podcast episode because how you do it depends on your business, what you can commit to and your preferences. But two quick wins that I can share are... I increased my prices so I needed fewer students to match my previous income and I set up groups. I have one larger group and the rest are mini groups and those mini groups have tripled what I earn by the hour without compromising the quality of my teaching or my students experience of learning with me. I still teach one-to-one because some of my students need that but the combination of raising prices and grouping students together has allowed me to reduce how many hours I work a week without reducing my income. And the reason why I would have done this sooner is because the time I've released not only gives me flexibility in my life, I'm not living to work, but it allowed me to set up Upgrade Your Education Business, the Tutors Mastermind, and it's released time for me to develop things that help my audience even further. For instance, without my three-day working week, I wouldn't have been able to host this podcast. And the one thing that has really helped me map this out and make it work is being really organized and reviewing the big picture all the time. And this leads me to the third thing I would have done differently. I would have used a project management or task management tool from day one. I use Microsoft Excel for goal planning and monitoring and Trello for task management, organization for my marketing strategies and for managing my team. I've spoken a few times about creating operational manuals, which is essentially where you document how everything is done. And on Trello, I have a board that lists literally everything that happens at an operational level in my business, everything, even down to answering emails. If you're a one-to-one client of mine, chances are you've seen this. And I use it to decide what I need to do, 
what I'll do for now, but delegate later, what I delegate currently and the things that are in the pipeline. This, alongside other plans like having financial goals and strategy maps, has helped every single part of my business. If I want to hire someone, I can quickly decide which tasks I need to delegate, which helps me create a job description and understand what kind of person I need to hire. If I'm writing content for social media, my content calendar with marketing themes and so on helps me come up with ideas fast. It also steers my email marketing content, the kind of future courses or lead magnets I can develop. It helps me organize my time so that I can dictate how many days a week I want to work. Now, this is so valuable that I have two sessions planned out in the Tutors Mastermind in coming weeks. One where I'll be showing the members my in-depth content strategy so that they can create one themselves in a way that they never struggle with what to write and in a way that their content is intentional and brings them results. The members have also voted for me to show them how to create a strategic business plan, which is like a GPS for your business. It's a living, breathing document that keeps evolving so that you know where you want to go next, how to get there, how to monitor your progress and how it all fits into the big picture. So some exciting things coming up in the Tutors Mastermind. And if you're thinking this would be great for me, Remember that I always speak to people before I invite them to join, just to make sure that it's right for them and that they would be a good fit with our community. If you want to have a chat, just reach out by clicking the link in the show notes. But by having a project management tool, I've been able to not only strategize, but bring ideas to life. Because instead of just getting on with it, like I did in the early days, I have a plan. And I really wish that I'd put goals into place earlier and tracked them. See, by the time I set up my tuition business, I was a bit fed up with data. I'd come from a school teaching background where everything was data driven. And before that, I worked as a corporate business trainer, where again, goals and targets were everywhere. So I felt like I needed a break. But what I've realized is that goal setting, when done right, is so powerful because it focuses you. A month or so ago, I recorded how many podcast downloads I wanted each week. And that one number, just by recording it on my spreadsheet, unlocked a whole series of ideas and steps I could take to achieve it. Writing down the goal focused me and it made me be intentional. I have financial targets and it forces me to be analytical and decide how I want to meet those targets. Do I want more tuition clients? Do I want more business mentoring clients? Do I want more people in the tutor's mastermind? Do I want to develop some courses? And by using something like Trello, and there are loads of apps, it doesn't have to be Trello, but by using something like it helps me put actionable steps in place, which circles right back to deciding what I'm going to do and what I'll delegate so I can continue working in the way I want to work in my business. Now for a complete change of direction, something I did not do enough of or pay enough attention to was my mental health and well-being. You might want me to talk about social media strategies and ways to attract more clients, but honestly, unless you're feeling confident, those strategies fall flat. And of course, if you burn out or are exhausted, it'll inevitably affect how you work, how you deliver services to clients and so on. You'll make mistakes or you won't be putting your best foot forward. And I'm speaking from experience here. 
In fact, last week just swallowed me up and left no crumbs. I really struggled. I felt overwhelmed with work. I fell behind. I was exhausted. But I fixed it because I've invested and continue to tune into ways to look after myself. For instance, even though I was in the thick of it with this feeling of overwhelm and I just wanted to get through the tasks I needed to complete, I still took that step back, looked at my calendar and I time blocked. I blocked out time for tasks that I needed to dedicate focused time to. And I marked them as busy in my calendar because last week, so many people booked mentoring calls that I fell behind with urgent tasks. Now, what looking after well-being and mental health means to one person might be different to someone else. For me, the way I start my day sets me up for the day. And I think back to before I really appreciated the value of these kinds of routines and how I'd wake up 20 minutes before I, say, had a meeting I'd feel flustered and that feeling would stay with me all day. I so wish I had appreciated how morning routines and taking that step back, even when you feel like you don't have time, can have such a great impact on how you run your business and how you do your job. And when it comes to well-being, the language you use is so powerful. I recently had to pause a mentoring session with a tuition business owner because we were focusing on her marketing strategy and she kept saying, I'm really bad at this, or I always struggle with this. See, the more you reinforce dialogue like that, the longer you'll be stuck in that struggle. Whereas if you said something like, I know I can do better than this, it puts you in a frame of mind where you're determined, you're receptive to learning, and you're motivated to improve your skills. So in my view, looking after yourself and checking in with your mindset has to be front and center because it impacts all areas of life and business. Now onto something that has really produced results in my business that I definitely didn't do soon enough. As I mentioned earlier, by the time I set up my tutoring business, I was a bit fed up of data, which is what stopped me from goal setting. But something else I avoided was recording and tracking data. On the odd occasion when I did, for instance, looking at social media insights, I would get too hung up on it and it would put me off. And then that vicious cycle would start again where I avoided it. But the reason I wished I had kept a better record is because imagine if I could tell you that by doing X, Y, and Z, I was able to increase the inquiries I got by whatever the number is. It would be so meaningful and helpful. But instead of seeing it as a success metric, where if the data doesn't look too good, you find it discouraging... I find it really helps to use it to steer my actions. But here's the thing. It's only useful if you turn data into information. And for that, you need to do a bit of analyzing. Here's an example. Let's say I wanted to monitor the success of my podcast. Now, I don't get too hung up on the download numbers because I'm not aiming to be a top charting podcaster. I'm aiming to start conversations with the right people but the numbers do tell me which episodes do better than others. Now, on its own, this is just data, but it turns into valuable information when I analyse what subject matters are more popular. The information gets richer when I put myself in your shoes and think about the time of year it is and what situation you might be in and how you might be feeling. And when I build that picture, I can get an idea of what's working, what isn't, why certain things might be working and why certain things might not. 
I can delve even deeper and record the length of each podcast episode to see if there are any trends. So recording the data is just the first step. You need to dig a little deeper and build a context around it to transform data into information that you can actually use to make decisions. But a careful balance is definitely needed. It can be almost addictive to just keep looking at data and having an emotional response to it. For instance, one of my clients was recently frustrated because they felt like they weren't getting enough reach on a particular social media platform. They were actively monitoring that number and feeling discouraged. But in that same week that they were feeling frustrated, someone bought their course, people booked calls, and this client actually secured a lucrative contract. And all of these people found my client through social media. So by looking at the number of people individual posts reached was just cold data. It meant nothing. But once my client analyzed it and looked at the weeks when they saw potential clients taking action, the numbers suddenly painted a picture that allowed them to understand what worked really well so they could do more of it. If you're thinking, well, I don't know what data to track, a good place to start is by asking yourself, what do you want to know? Ask an area of your business a question. What did I do this week that attracted that surge of inquiries? How many existing customers are recommending me to others? That kind of thing. And then use your question to gather data that will help you answer it and add context so that the data turns into information. Now, even if you wanted to, you're not going to be able to action all of these lessons straight away. So to get the most out of this episode so you can see some real results is to just commit to one or two of them for now. So which ones really resonated with you? Which ones had you nodding your head? Choose those. So thank you for staying while I talk about my mistakes that I've made in the past. And if I can help you avoid even just one, that would make me really happy. If you found this useful, please do share with one or two people who you think would also find it helpful. But for now, thanks for listening and you'll hear from me next week.